Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the PGA DFS First Look Show for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the greatest show on turf. Mr. Ulrich, welcome back to the program. Thank you for joining me each and every Monday. And this week, while there may not be a million fans and thousands of, I'll call them weekly golf fans uh, that attend this event, still has its lure and the golf course is another fun one. Uh, welcome up. And how did you see last week going for you? I mean, yeah, let, let, let's call them what they are. They're drunkards, Jason. They're, 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 they're hooligans. Throw them off the tour, Doug. They don't belong here. But no, I mean, it, it's going to suck kind of watching this event without, uh, without all the fans for sure. Um, last week was interesting for sure, man. I mean, uh, lots of stuff going on, obviously. Um, you know, I, I guess to start with Patrick Reed just getting his ninth win, just like cruising to another win. Dude just can come in and it, it, all the cheating stuff aside, all the the rule stuff aside, like the guy just gets by with his short game and putter so well. It's it's actually incredible, man. I mean, um, you know, the, the way he is able to grind out these tough events, he wasn't even in the top 60 of greens and regulation. Like, how does that happen at Torrey Pines? I just don't understand. So um, obviously we got to talk about the rules thing. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on at first. I'll just say, guys, we appreciate you guys showing up. Smash that like button when you come in, guys. Let's try and get, let's try and get over hundred for the show. Yeah. I mean, we should be. Everyone, everyone's here. Smash that like coming in. We appreciate it. And uh, Jason, I'll, Jason, I'll give you the good take and I'll give you my take on Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So, Thank you for for that too. Yeah, appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to our channel as well. All right, so I'm going to give you, and I talked briefly with my my buddy behind the glass, Jordan, about this before coming on air. And here's here's the golfer, the a former assistant golf pro take in it. All right, if you and I, Jeff, are out there on a Sunday just competing, either in a match play or stroke play, doesn't matter. And you and I are playing, and my ball goes left, and neither you or I could see it because the height of the hole just not allows us to see it. If we go up to the ball and we see a lie there. The likelihood of me asking you for an embedded ball rule, it's it's not really likely. Let's start with that. I think that's a clear way to start. However, if I do feel that the ball is embedded, I am allowed to then ask you, and if you and I both come to the agreement that it is embedded, I am allowed a free drop. Okay, so I think that based on the rules, he probably did it right. However, am I even asking you for an embedded ball rule to begin with in that situation? A, probably not. And B, in addition, we have the video. Now, does that mean that we should be allowed to use the video? That would be my question first back to you, because we don't have the capability of getting the video for every golfer on every shot right now. So should we be able to use it in a situation like this when we do have it? Yeah. So to answer that question, I, I don't think they should. Um, and it's like you said, they don't have it for every golfer. So how can you just apply it to certain golfers? Right. So I don't think the video argument holds any water, but to me, Patrick Reed is a, he's a product of the PGA, not, not performing their duties. They're not, they, there's no rules officials there. There's not people watching every shot. There's no one to say, Hey, Patrick, that ball bounced, but he's crazy to me. Like that's a penalty. You just picked up your ball. That's a penalty. Yep. There, there's no one watching. Patrick Reed is showing the tour how ridiculous their rules enforcement is. That's all he's doing. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely he's, sure he's cheating. I, I guess I don't know. We've seen this with Reed more than once. So That's at the this point, yeah, you, you come to that conclusion. I'm not going to say you're wrong because you're probably right. But he's a product of the PGA Tour not enforcing their rules, not having the proper officials with every group, someone there to say, okay, this is what happened on this shot. And, and for the tour, the players benefit too. The PGA wants the, the tour to be like this, this old, old boys guy where everyone's enforcing themselves. Patrick Reed is saying, sure, let's I'll do, do that. that. I'll, yeah. I'll just, I'll just you know keep bending the rules until you force me not to. He's a product of the PGA tour. That's all he is. And I, I mean, I, I don't think it's ethical or anything. I wouldn't be playing like that, but. That, that that's where this is coming from, man. Like it's insane how much money is on the line every week, how much money the, the PJ tour makes and they don't have guys on every hole. Like it's crazy. What, to what, me. what the what the heck is going on, man? Like there's plenty of PGA professionals in each city that they visit that would gladly even probably sure. likely volunteer their time to do this, let alone get paid to do it, which wouldn't even be a volunteer life. position though. Like NHL referees are, are volunteer. Like, you know, like get, get a, Get a union going. Get something going where you have PGA officials at every event. I, I, I just, it's one of those things for years. I just do not understand it, man. It's like having a tennis match, Jason, without a lines person, without, without, without an official. That? That's what it's like every week on the PGA. It's crazy to me. And, and the, I think the worst look for Patrick Reed, because they have the video of the entire interaction. The first oh, thing he says, look. It yeah, is a the first look. thing he says to the marshal is, "Did you see it bounce?" So we, he had embedded ball rule when that ball left his club face from the fairway. He knew he was going for the embedded ball rule, and it's just listen, Patrick Reed again. He he takes that fine line of, "I'm going to police myself because that's what we've done in the past, and this is how I police myself." Yep. Basically, I don't. I'm going to try and use the rules <laughs> in every situation to my advantage. And here he was. He got a free drop, perfect drop, put it to 12 feet, made the putt. Now, that goes to say as we transition out of the drama, he made the putt. He made every putt this weekend. He did it again. He looked so much better than everybody on Sunday. Granted, even with the rules stuff, he was the only golfer that didn't miss a shot on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think maybe yeah. we should talk about that for at least a minute and a half. No, and that, that's why I wanted to bring it up first. I mean, yeah. like, you know, Again, all this rule stuff aside, and it really does feel like he feeds off this stuff, you know? It does. It's great. It's like, it's like yeah, ch- like, sure, challenge me cheating. Like, penalize me. I don't care. Like, it just it just almost seems to, like, he he gets fueled off this stuff. It's, it's so strange. And I don't know if you, like, give him credit for that or, like I said, I'll give him credit for being this masterclass short game guy because, I, honestly, I, I – maybe you probably Jordan Spieth, you know, when he was in his prime doing that stuff, that's probably the only other example we have of a guy this consistently winning with just a short game putter. It's pretty crazy what he, what he does like nine wins. Like I said, there's just no consistency with the ball striking. I mean, he, he, he makes shots, but like, like I said, you look at the stats, I mean, he's not even out there. So it's, you got to give him credit for that. Absolutely. Talk about it. Two different separate uh, veins, obviously. So for sure. Now we can move on to Torrey Pines, the, the the actual golf course here. And, and listen, that, to me, again, provided a fantastic event, was not a major. But now we get it for a major. The winning score, you know, if they didn't use the north course, now granted, Reed shot like eight under on the north course or whatever he did. We take that That's out. True. I think we get like a, a close to single-digit winner. Mm-hmm. But not only that, it was it was a really great display of what I think a 7,700-yard good design, long, rough, challenges everybody. I'm really excited for the U.S. Open, probably more so than I was before. I think it's just, again, a great golf course, a great venue to do so. It should be fun. Uh, it should be a close. It's always tight at Torrey Pines, too. Um, you know, and the one thing I like about it, every time this event, like, we didn't, we, I mean, Reed, Reed's such a good front runner, but there's good in-play opportunities often. Like, we get guys at the front, then they make a triple. Um yeah, th- those green complexes are so hard to get up and down onto. It's going to be a fun venue. I mean, I-, I don't think it's like the most creative venue, but I think for a tournament, it Torrey Pines really works. So it- it's going to be a good US Open. So my question to you there is, we saw the best in the world. Rom, McElroy, maybe you can even throw in Adam Scott. Maybe he's not like top best in the world, but certainly Rom and McElroy. Why did they struggle on Sunday? Why could they not get it going, but yet Reed goes out there and doesn't miss a golf shot? I don't know, man. I mean, I, I really thought this was going to be the time like Patrick Reed actually got caught. I mean, I, I just, I felt Scott would get it together. He had a bad driving day on Saturday and that just bled over 
Uh, Rom just could not. I mean, Rory is just this is just typical Rory Sunday now. I mean, just you know, teases you a little, and then it's just like screws off and, and doesn't do anything. Sanjay M looked like he was going to be the guy for a bit, but I mean, that was just, that was asking too much. It was, you know, from back from four under, right? So you, you can't even, you can't fault him, but yeah, Rom, Rory, Scott, probably a couple of other names we're forgetting, but um, you know, none of those guys, they, they didn't even really make a serious run, to be honest. It was, it was Hovland was the only dude who was up there. Um, and the only other name I'll throw out you that I want to discuss for a minute is finally breaking Tory was Xander Schauffele. He had to sneak through the weekend, but South course, he played great yep. over the weekend. I think he had two 68s, if I'm not mistaken, or 68, 69. Really good. Yep. Yeah. Do we now get rid of that silly course history debate where it doesn't fit Xander and now he's in play at the U S open? Yeah. I mean, I, Oh, definitely. I think so. I mean, I know we talked about him last week and I just didn't want to go back there because basically the last two years of this event, I've, I've said, well, you shouldn't look at the course history for Xander. This is, this is fine. It's a U.S. open venue. And then he's missed the cut. I just didn't want to say that for the third year in a row. Like it was, yeah. it was a complete personal bias thing, but realistically, this is a, it's a U.S. open venue. He's a West coast guy. Grew up like, you know, 50 miles from the course or something it should be a great venue for him. And then I think, I think you saw that bleed through. I think it's going to give him a lot of confidence when this, when this event rolls around. So yeah, unfortunately for Xander, his odds are so short now that it's like, like, what do you do? Do you invest now? You might as well just wait till the event rolls around. Hope he's just, like, yeah, basically just a bad stretch. Yeah. Um, hope for a bad stretch. So yeah. my last question about Tori is this is maybe more an event basis for you, Jeff, an event based question. We saw a lot of similarities between the final leaderboard here, which was a very grinded out tough event, and the Memorial, which ended up being, again, kind of like a U.S. Open setup, really tough, uh, uh, really tough to hit fairways, long, rough, same leaderboards. I think it was like eight or at least half of the top 13 were on identical leaderboards. Some of those names that we wouldn't suspect, like Henrik Norlander, Ryan Palmer. Now, granted, some of the other guys are the best players in the world. We expect them to be on the leaderboard. But what about Norlander and Palmer showing up in these grinded out events? Is there a player profile type of thing we should be looking at? Even like a Luke List showing up again here for two years in a row. I mean, I, th- I think it's just really consistent ball strikers. Like Nor- Norlander, when he's hitting his irons, is he hits a lot of fairways off the tee, yep. um, tons of fairways off the tee, and 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 he can he's just a good long iron player. And I think I'd put Palmer in the same category. Although Palmer was really lighting it up with his putter this week. But even if he wasn't lighting it up, you know, his, his irons were consistent. He's consistent off the tee too. Um, and I, I think that's just the key. I mean, guys who are that consistent with their longer irons, um, you don't have to be the longest hitter. If, if, you, if you're hitting greens from 200 out, like putting it within 15 feet, which is kind of what Norlander was doing, you can give yourself birdies chances on those long par fours. So uh, I, I would really, you know, more than – you know, not distance again, this is, and we bring up distance because it's the easy thing to talk about, but sure. when you're looking at these courses, it's probably realistically strokes gain approach to me should always, almost always be at the forefront. And again, I think we saw it this week with guys like Norlander and Palmer and uh, who's the other dude you brought up. Well, I mentioned that there are just a lot of similarities of the good players too. Like Tony Fino right. was there. John Robb yeah. was there, obviously. Those are kind of the more obvious sure. ones. Because those guys are always... Luke was the other guy, by the way. Luke List was the other guy. Again, yep. a guy who actually we talked about, I talked about, I think, was really firing with his irons coming in. So, um, but yeah, and those other guys always pretty much are up there into the top 20 in, in strokes gain approach. But for me, that's that's what it was. They're just good long iron players. Um, they had good weeks off the tier. They're trending well with hitting fairways. And if you get that combo at a, at a tougher venue like Tory, then I think, uh, I think it's just uh, a product of those guys um, being good long iron players. It's a great point. So let's go into a little bit of our DFS review, but before we do I want to let you guys know that uh, if you're an NBA DFS player today, our ownership projections are free and, but in NHL, well, our rankings are free there, so a great couple of free pieces of content for you. But if you are ready to join us here on the Osmo awesome Plus side, then get access to all the great tools that we have to offer and our content, of course, for every DFS sport out there with the Osmo awesome Plus Weekly Pass for $29.95. Of course, that includes everything that we have to offer. And if you just want to join Jeff, Ben, and the golf team and I, uh, packages start at $3.95 for the Express and $8.95 for the whole package. So make sure you sign up today. Stop guessing and start winning. Join us. And now let's go ahead and do our DFS review. And just mentioned Henrik Norlander. We talked about he was the second best value of the week. 
But Peter Malnati again, Jeff, just showing up in this type of, I don't know if this is like a consistent thing we're going to keep seeing or not, but 13 and a half on the uh, value to return. Average is 9.37. A couple of other names up there, Sam Ryder, Joseph Bramlett, JT Poston, Luke List, of course, Patrick Reed, Robbie Shelton, Lanto Griffin, Roy Sabatini, and Ted Potter Jr. What? Where did he come from? It's California. It's early in the season. Maybe that's where he came from. But uh, what surprises do you see out of there um, other than Ted Potter, of course? Yeah, it's a lot of surprising names up there. Um, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Is Mel Daddy going to be this like Jason, like, like Jason Cockrack from two years ago where everyone was just like, oh, Jason Cockrack will regress. And then he just finished like top 20 every event he started and was like the nuts DFS play. It kind of feels like we're getting there with Mel Natty where it's it like does. you better just just plug him in because – I don't, I don't even know. Like he's, he's a really good putter, but like his irons are are going from like, okay. To like fire. Like it's like, it's either they're okay or they're, they're fire. Like it's, so they're obviously fire this week. Um, yeah. I, I, he's a dude. I'm going to just have to start playing. Like uh, I'm, I think I'm going to just put him in some lineups from now on until we get like a two event, like kind of, okay. Streak, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Regression, I guess. Another I don't name that I want to, Another name that I want to throw at you, kind of exactly similar, is Robbie Shelton, a guy that I've, we've yeah. talked about a, a bit that he's going to have plenty of missed cuts. But when he makes the weekend, he typically ends up in the top 30 or 25, and he's a guy that's rarely priced over 6500 So Shelton Malnati, are these guys that we should just blindly roster, or do you think it's course-specific with them? It doesn't seem to be, I guess, is why I'm asking the question. Yeah, Sheldon, well, Sheldon, I think is, a, if I can remember correctly, he's, he's kind of a West Coast guy. Um, so I want to say that like this venue might, uh, might have suited him a little bit. But yeah, you're right. I saw Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm up there and I'm like, oh here we go. You know, Robbie Shelton week. Um, <laughs> he, he's just He's going to be tough to figure out if, if he, if he stays in, in form for a bit though, you, you could get a couple more weeks like this from out of him um, for sure. He, he'll pop up in, in these value sort of points, things uh, every now and then um, good, talented young player. Like it, yep. if he could ever just get a little bit more consistency, definitely like a player who could break through at some point. So a good GPP target. Um, that's kind of what, what all these, these guys are though. I mean, Ryder we've seen like have like little bursts of form. Yep. Norlander is really tempting because he'll have like two or three events like this in a row. And then. But they're all pretty much just for me, uh, other than like re. And they're, they're guys you can sprinkle in. You want to watch if they're starting to, to fire up with their irons a bit. And you'll probably see some carryover from a couple of them, but you also probably see a couple of them, you know, bail out this week too. It wouldn't shock me. So, yeah. And now when we switch over to the top 10 ownership, it, for the most part, it was a really good week for the chalk. In the top 10 or 11 got, uh, owned guys, only one missed the cut out of them. And, uh, that was, of course, I believe it was Harris English, but he was kind of a little bit ways down there. But for the most part, you know, Adam Scott, 22% owned, came fourth. Rory, 22% owned, came 33rd DFS scoring. Xander, 22% owned fifth. John Rahm, 22-12th. Basically, no big guys missed. Even Harris English, he was like 13% owned. Where a lot of people missed was English, Horschel, kind of mm -hmm. those mid-tier, mid-ownership guys last week. So if you 
played the top of the board, it's likely you had a relatively profitable week. Um, but again, six of six percentage was only about 7%, Jeff. So what do you make of that? Top 10 owned, basically only one missed cut, but only 7%, six of six. So that just says it's really hard to pick those bottom end guys. It is. Yeah, the bottom end guys, especially at an event like Tory, right? Um, you also had the Matt uh, Matt Wolf withdraw. I can't remember what his ownership was. I it was like 14 point. or 15. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. So that, that definitely added to it. Um, definitely heard my week. I can tell you that. Um, should have listened to the chat last week, although they were bringing up. that. No, I don't think anyone really knew he had a head injury. Anyways, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those weeks where, you know, the elite players always seem to to grind it out at Tory at least made cuts or, or we usually get a pretty good percentage on the top guys, but then you had, like you said, the mid tier Jason days, you know, Jason Day was the, the wolf missed cut a couple other guys like that. Um, so yeah, it, it was a weird week. It, it did feel like, you know, with the guys in contention, maybe we, we could have had like a bigger six of six, but I guess, uh, I guess those lower end dudes kind of, kind of fell off and um, yeah, the Matt wolf, the Matt wolf thing definitely didn't help people, but yeah. yeah, for for all intents, it was a, a pretty good week for the for the chalk. I'm surprised at what the seven percent, to be honest with you. But none of the chalk, except for Adam Scott, ended up in the optimal lineup. As let's quickly review that. Yeah, scored 591 points, and we just saw David in our chat say he had 572. That's a darn good score. Very close to the optimal. Might have been even the third or fourth best lineup created last week. So definitely a great lineup. Congrats on that. Regardless of the uh, contest it was in. Just keep plugging away. Uh, you'll end up with the right contest uh, someday soon. Trust me, with we'll a score like that. And then Patrick Reed in there. Obviously, Victor Hovland, number two, no surprise. Scott and Zala Torres. I got to give myself a slight pack on the bat uh, for this one, Jeff. It was my hot take on the Live Before Lock show that both of them would end up in the top 10. Not bad. Must have been my first hot take uh, hit in a little while. They both had a great week and good scoring week as well. And then Norlander Malnati, who we just brought up. No surprise to see them. Let's match that up, though, with the top GPP lineup. That was gut, Reed, Hovland, Zalatores, but instead, and Malnati, but instead of the other two guys, it went to Cam Davis. And you're ready for this one? Francesco Molinari back. Uh. What a Sunday uh, for Buck. I-378, I'm really not sure how to read that other than that. Buckeye-378, single entry lineup, used 50K, and what a Sunday he got out of his players. Like I said, he got six under out of Molinari. Uh, he got a couple unders, obviously, from Hovland de la Torres, and Melnati just put up a ton of points. So the single entry bros are back in action, Jeff. What do you think about that, especially at Torrey Pines? Kind of goes to show you that that packed leaderboard can create a ton of movement on these DFS boards as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it does create a lot of movement. Uh, Torrey Pines is a great DFS event, too, for that reason. I mean, there was probably a ton of movement on this lineup. Obviously, Reed was sewn up, but, um, you know, Davis was all over the place Sunday. He was like four four over, and then he, I think he finished at one over. Uh, Molinari going low. Zalatoris right. ended with an eagle, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah, tap an eagle, basically. So that probably put this guy over the top. Yeah, you're um, probably right, actually, now that I think about it. You're probably yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, so... Um, I got two things to take from this. First of all, I really feel stupid for not playing Zal Torres. I, I knew, I knew it was, I'm actually surprised he got up to that ownership. Cause I thought people would really lay off him here, you know, just having not seen too much of him. but it's, I thought it was a great venue for him. He's such a good T to green player. Like you've just, okay. he is, he is right up there with the elites in certain terms of T to green. So when you get to tough, he was shooting around the green last week too. He's not just a ball. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that held him back from really competing was just putting. He just missed some putts, and everyone misses putts at Torrey. And, and like, that's the weakness of his game. But still, um, to get up there with with not putting well, is it just shows how strong a tee to green game player is. And the other thing is, what tournament is Francesco Molinari winning this year? Because I am I am back on board. I'm full throttle, Francesco. It, it honestly looks like he's he's back. I yeah, know I, that this may um, I'm calling it. Our buddy Ben Raza just a little yeah. bit going yeah. forward. <laughs> can but, tell Ben this week on Wednesday that I'm calling game. Francesco's back. Oh no. He's winning soon. Too bad for Ben. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to take a look at the schedule. Uh, maybe Valspar is a good spot for him. Melanari just hits a ton of greens, and he's great around the green. And good Riviera. Riviera coming up if he stays in form. He's, I think he lives in L.A. now, too. So. Oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah, take an eye on that one. All right, let's go to our pro review and see if any of our uh, friends and family here were able to find some good scores. 
And I got to start with Alex Osmo Baker because guess who had the most of Francesco Molinari of any pro out there? It was our buddy Alex. Went with 36% Molinari. Love to see it. 38% Finau, so pretty good top of the board. Matsuyama was a big, I would say a chalk miss. It came in like 50th, so not that good. John Rahm, 27. Jason Day just can't quit him. I got, I got to... I got to bring him into my Jordan Spieth, you know, uh, what are they, Jordan Spieth anonymous group. Yeah. I got to bring him in because it's turning into a problem for him a little bit right now. Uh, Victor Hovland, 22%. Nice leverage there. Charles Howell was a big miss, had made 17 to 17 cuts here. So um, Mackenzie Hughes, Gary Woodland, Brooks Kepka, and Jason Kokrak in his top end. Uh, seven golfers over 20%. Two in the top 10, four missed cuts, 85 total, and he came in 35th. So uh, pretty good uh, showing there for Alex. I know that he was right around uh, right around 15% for a six of six as well. So just about double the field. Goes to show you that when you spread out your ownership, you've got a little bit better chance at it. Um, but I've got a totally different strategy that I want to get to after mine as I run through. What I did this week is I, I again went for the second straight week of really focusing on my core and not really having anybody else that I said st- would consider not out of the core above 13%. My first miscut actually was Jordan Spieth at 13%, which for me, that's great. I'm glad I'm getting down to the 13 and the 10% range. It took me a while. I was like Alex at the 25% range uh, that he's doing for day. I've been at Spieth 25% for like two years. So I'm glad I'm finally coming off that. Um, I also had Zalatoris at 18%. I just forgot to write that in. Uh, so, and I also used uh, 77 golfers. Do you think Alex and I are using too many? It's more than I use in those situations, but I mean, again, I don't, I don't want to be like the guy who, who tries to be like the, the, you know, the book on it or anything. It's just, in my opinion, you... Are we spreading too thin? That's my question. Are we missing some of our good plays because we're allocating yeah. too much percentages elsewhere? Yeah, I, I think you're probably cutting down on your... I mean, you're, you're cutting down when you do that on your ability to, to land like a top you give yourself a better chance at, at, at the top, in my opinion, but your, your floor is, is probably better by, by spreading it a little bit thin. But I think over the long run, it's probably better to be a little bit smaller. Again, this is just me guessing and, and my philosophy on it. Um, you know, again, it's higher variance. Um, but I, I think in the long run, again, we're talking about obviously really top heavy tournaments. So you want to be aiming for the top. And I think you do that with a little bit smaller pool. Um especially with the tools and stuff at, at, at Osmo, you know, able to, to pick out, you know, the, the, the better edges, I think per week. So that's the way I would approach it with, 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 with these, you know, it's not like majorly off or anything. I don't think you're, you're like spreading it that thin, but um, for me, I would probably be a little bit, a little bit uh, smaller pool, but um, again, that's just my opinion. Well, I can tell you that this is a totally different strategy. One that I want to spend a minute talking about because it's really interesting. Obviously, it's super aggressive, but user sleazy greasy, greasy, I don't know, whatever, however you pronounce it, it's silly. But in any case, this guy went, he came in second. So in the big $10, so a darn good week. But he had 100% of Will Gordon and Luke List. Now, granted, <laughs> Luke List had a top 10. Will Gordon made the cut and was top. 15 or 20 in DFS scoring. I know he didn't finish there. He had a bad Sunday. But even with his bad Sunday, threw in the only eagle on 13. So he scored well. What do you make of this strategy? I mean, he hit the two low-priced guys. So he what he was playing for was, I want to I have these two guys in every lineup and nail the other four mm-hmm. somehow. And that's exactly what he did for the most part. Yeah. The, the, this, is, this is more akin to the strategy that I will – Sometimes employ if if I'm doing uh, MME um, multi or multi entry whatever we call it these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I right MME is right. Yeah. I will take a couple of guys. Um, <laughs> I thought I said MMA. Anyways, MME. Um, I'll take a couple of guys, and sometimes they'll be value guys, and sometimes they might be like mid tier, and I'll go really heavy on them. And it, it usually ends up being like one or two guys like this. Um, and sometimes I will go up, like bump it up to 100, percent and then I'll just build around them. It, it does make it easier from a couple perspectives of um, you don't have to overthink one range. Um, if again, if you think a range is thin, or if you think there's like really good leverage to be had, like I actually really like that Luke List call from last week, and that would have been a player I would have considered doing it if I if I had been like heavier MME um, last week. So th- this is a strategy I think is okay personally. Um, you really you got to be careful with it, and again, you got to know. I think, again, it, it really helps to have tools like Osmo because you can look at ownership. You can say, okay, 
List is in this range. He's going to be like a quarter of the ownership of another guy. He's, he's coming in playing well. It's a great venue for him. Let's let's go. Like let let's throw him in every lineup. Let's get some leverage over maybe the value that you think is going to bust and and uh, really go for it. Um, you know, and the other thing with doing it with a player that's lower price like that, like if List only gets like you know, he's like t35 he doesn't necessarily kill you maybe he maybe makes an eagle and his, his scoring's okay so exactly what gordon did for you yep yeah exactly and will gordon was like a perfect target for this this week too it was actually like worked out well for this dude but um yeah that that's kind of how i approach it sometimes um i'm not saying it's correct either or if it's long-term better than other strategies but i will do this um if i feel really good about a player or something for sure yep uh it's it's interesting i personally have never pressed a lock button on a golfer under seven thousand. I mean, I, I certainly don't get me wrong. If if you hit these two guys or even semi hit these two guys, like you got with Gordon, I mean, you've got a massive chance, especially at Tory, where we know the cream rises to the crop. So, uh, and I should say the top, uh, I guess you can use those words. I think it's better too at a, at courses like Tory, where I think it's more akin to like, you know, grinding it out, you know, players just, even if they make the cut, get the weekend. I think at Birdie Fest, I'd be more akin to 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 kind of spread it out a little bit because you're you're riding putting variance. You know, you can if you spread it out a little bit, you can possibly hit that guy who just like gains nine strokes putting. So um I think Tori is I think this is a good spot to employ it. Um again, it's not something I do maybe every week, but uh in the right situations, yeah. Yeah. Granted, it's, you don't know what you're going to get out of these golfers. Um, you know, somebody just mentioned in the chat, uh, Sam Ryder and listen, I got to watch Sam Ryder play 18 holes cause he was playing with, uh, on featured groups yesterday and his swing looks great. Don't get me wrong. Again, I just don't know if I can lock players. Also on the chat, our night bot, uh, just let everybody know about our free premium content that we got going on today that I told you all about, but also want to let you know about the giveaway we got Go to our Twitter handle, Osmo underscore content, our NBA giveaway to win a free week of Osmo Plus. We're giving away five of them tonight, it looks like. We're going to look at Luka Doncic versus uh, who we got, Nikolai Jokic, who's going to score more points. Luka's pretty nice, I'm not going to lie, but the Joker always comes up big. So go ahead and check our Twitter handle, reply with your response, and you've got a chance to win. Also, go over to our Instagram handle as well and give that a follow. you got a chance to win over there. So check that out. Now, let's go into the greatest show on turf, the Waste Management Open. Really probably got its fame. It's always been a good event. It's been held here, you know, for 30-plus years. But it really got its fame from Tiger Woods Hole in One that if you guys watch the documentary, is kind of a big part of it, or at least a, a pretty big part of it. They put the highlight clip on there a bunch. And it really transformed that hole into the loudest hole of golf, Typically, we have 20,000 fans around just that one hole. We're only going to get 5,000 fans in this week, but there will be the most fans I think we've had since the COVID start. So, Jeff, at least we get that back on a, on a fun golf course. There may not be as uh, many ASU undergrads floating around in the fashion show area this year, but still should be a fun event. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, uh, I, I think I said this off the top, but um, – they're gonna be um, <laughs> they're gonna be letting like five thousand fans in, so I'm sure most of them will just be on the stadium, the yeah. the hole. So I'm sure there'll still be something going on that hole, um, but it'll definitely be like a different feeling event. Like you'll definitely notice the lack of fans at this event more so than the other ones. Yep. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Uh, maybe it'll help some people out. I don't know, but um, I think it's interesting. Rory decided to play this event for the first time with uh, with no fans. No fans, yeah. He just maybe likes the likes the golf course, which par yeah. 71, 7,200 yards, driving accuracy pretty low. Maybe that kind of fits him. I, I think it is a good course for Rory. There's a lot of drivers you can hit on this course. Yep, tons. Um, you know, uh, the, the driving distance is, is, is a lot bigger here versus like... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus the two were average so top 10 uh, last year yep great point yep I think I think this I think this will be a good course for Rory. Um, I'm not sure if he's quite there because like it's a Sunday again. I just it, don't. It, it's it. every Sunday. It is really what weird. I know we kind of turned about it to, to Rory talk here, but yeah. it is. Uh, 
is becoming a thing with Rory for sure. Um, but I, I, I am pretty bullish on him for this week. I'm not going to bet him, I don't think, a plus 1,200, but uh, I'll definitely have some DFS exposure. Yeah, and I think his price is pretty cheap, which we'll get to in a little bit. Two-thirds green, so 66% on the greens in regulation, even though we only hit the fairway 55% of the time. A couple of things going to that, the Bermuda rough, just not that long, two and a half inches, somewhere around there. Uh, plus, like you mentioned, the driving distance, its average drive is 303 yards. That that includes all of the par fours that you're not hitting driver on and such. So that just goes to show you a massive amount of drivers are being hit off these holes, which means obviously shorter clubs in only being 7,200 yards at the most. This goes to show you uh, why some of the bigger hitters can perform well here. But the course gets its hardness because we really haven't had a, a minus 20 winner all that often. The average score is minus 17. Both scrambling and, and putting in the top 20 hardest last year. Putting was top 13th hardest. So the green complexes definitely get you here on the Tom Weisskopf design. Yep. Anything else that you want to throw? I, I love this course. It's got it, maybe the four best finishing holes, in my opinion, each and mm. every year. So it's got the par 5 15th that has eagle or double in play with the water surrounding it. Loudest hole in golf on the 16th. The 17th hole is turning into an amazing hole. Drivable par 4. Well, they were starting to throw up a bunch of more stands around. Really fun. And then the real, the difficult 18th hole, um, really just a great stretch. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I love the course. Yep. And 18 is birdieable too if, if you get a really good drive out there. But it's also, you know, you stick in the bunker, you can bring bogey into play. Um, it's a great finishing stretch. And I, I would say one thing about this course, like the, the greens are pretty big. And like you said, uh, putting, scrambling is it, tough around it. Um, kind of similar to last week in that regards that the greens are, are complex. And um, from what I've noticed too, you can hit a lot of greens, but you can't get it close unless you're really firing. And I think that's why we've seen like Webb gained over seven strokes on his approaches. Um, Woodland gained like over seven strokes in his approaches when he won. Hit deck, he had a couple years like that when he won. You you can't just hit greens. You have to get it close because they're hard greens to putt. You'll see three putts, and they're hard greens to get up and down them. So um, yeah, like you know the the driving distance helps, but again, it's you got to get it close. So I, I think, uh, again, really long emphasis on, on guys with long irons, good, good stroke skin approach. Man, it just kind of sounds like Francesco Molinari, but we'll get it, it in here in a minute as his price continues to rise and our uh, kindness to him continues to rise as well here, at least on this show. Be our Wednesday show, not so much. Maybe the Tuesday show with Tim and Ben. Probably, definitely not, but uh, maybe we can convince them throughout the week. So before we get into our first clicks, which focus on opening odds. I want to tell you about two things. First, that uh, we have put out a new video. First, Monday morning, every Monday morning, we're going to come out with our opening odds. Odds are something that, you know, especially in golf and and in this industry, if there's a value that comes off right at the opening print, a lot of this industry is super smart and uh, super, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they definitely pay close attention to them and they get bid down very quickly. So we are coming out with a, I came out with it today already live Kind of our top five bets. I pick one guy from each category as our first clicks. Um, so check that out. And of course, before you make any bet, don't do it without shopping for the best odds. Betting lines change by the minute and can vary greatly depending on which book you are using. That's why it's important to use our awesome odds shopper tool to find the best line available on the golfer. You are betting on and give you that edge you need to beat the house. Head on over to oddshopper.osmo.com where we compile the best bets available for every golfer updated in real time. And of course, sign up free to track your bets. So first clicks, um, we'll start at the top of the board. And I'm heading to a guy that had a chance on Sunday had he put together an amazing back nine to possibly win it, was tied for the lead. And the week before at the Desert Classic or whatever we're calling it now, the American Express, Held the lead into the weekend, Jeff, and it's Sung J.M. at 33-1. to 1. When we look at the top 10 price guys on the board, he's double that of the next guy. I think Webb Simpson was at 15-1. to 1. So I just saw a little value there with a guy that seems like he's pretty close. Yeah, I can't disagree. Um, was one of the first two guys I clicked as well. You look at Sung J.M., even just – let's just put everything aside. You got Hideki at plus 23. Berger at now plus 1,700 on DraftKings. And Sanjay at plus 33, 34. Of course I'm taking Sanjay, man. I mean, like, I, I, and I like this course for, for Sanjay too. You know, it's, it's Bermuda greens. It's kind of all around. You got to be good at everything. He's driving it. Well, the approaches have been, 
consistent, really consistent. They were firing good uh, at TOC. They're firing for really good stretches at Tory. Uh, that's the best value of the top uh, for me. It, it wasn't even close. Um, I, I expect that those odds to go down through the week too. So if you're interested, I would jump on a quick. Definitely. I think you'll see him more. Uh, I think you'll see him under three uh, eventually. At least if he's not, I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm still going to be on him. But um, yeah, that, that for me stuck out uh, right away too. So when we drop down, um, I've already seen a bit of chatter on Twitter. And of course, you've already mentioned to me a couple of times that you're like, oh man, I wish I played this guy last week. He's, he's just so good tee to green. And uh, he was a big part of uh, my lineup as well, which, oh man, Jordan, did I forget to go over my lineups behind the glass? I think I forgot to go over my lineups. Can we circle oh, back to that for a second? I didn't even submit a lineup today, did I? Oh my yeah. God. Can we circle? Yeah, we're going to circle back to that for a second because I think it's a good transition into this week for me. And I can talk to you guys about a little bit of the sweat that I had. So, all right, this is my top lineup from last week. Go over yours. Mine sucked. That, that, there's my lineup review. I use Matt Wolf. And okay. Yeah, and you use Matt Wolf in the That's pretty much Matt. it for my for my big single entries. So, so there you go. A withdraw. We don't even have to go over it. Totally understand. This one for me, so the $100 contest last week was uh, obviously, I thought was a good price point uh, for me to make like 20-ish lineups, and that's what I did. I ended up having a profitable week, but not nearly as profitable as it could have been. So I had uh, the lineup, as you see in front of you, started off with Rom at the top, then went to Scott Zelatoris, who I'm about to talk about, Coke Rack, Homa, and Gim, kind of as my uh, middle price. Those guys played well. However, if I had had John Rom make birdie on 18, and Jason Kokrak make par on 18, which would have given a birdie, uh, bogey-free round, I would have came in 10th. Instead, I came in 37th. I reached all the way to third at one point in the day. It was fun to sweat it because it's a great event to watch. But, man, Jeff, are you surprised that? Uh, th- this is what we go to the tight tight leaderboard. You, I go from third to 37th yeah. in like a heartbeat. Uh, I'm telling you something, man. You, you needed that Patrick Reed DQ. Oh, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, um, too bad. It's really too bad that Scott Scott couldn't get it done or something like that. Um, it's a great lineup. Got to keep playing the game Reaper. Homa's playing well. Uh, I love I love that play. It's another player I regret not playing last week. It's on my radar, and I just went another way. Sal Torres, I already yeah, the, it, great. Kokrak sets up great for Troy Pines too. Although he didn't really, he was fine. You make an eagle now, anyways. It's a great lineup. Um, just needed – he just had the wrong guy win. I mean, that, that, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> it's um, a great point. How about the Gim Reaper? 21 birdies but 17 bogeys. This guy, I think if I'm going to pick a new Jordan Spieth, it's this guy. He makes so many birdies yeah, with his so bogeys. Birdies. It's crazy. I, I really – like, it, the Gim is a guy who you, you should just ride with. Like, don't get put off him by a missed cut because – He'll, he'll bounce back, and, and even if he only finishes T25, like, he'll be in the top, like, 15 scores because he makes so many birdies. I would really just keep playing Doug Gim. I think when he's priced like this, I mean, if he starts getting priced up or something, like, fine. But, um, you know, when he's down there in the low 7Ks, great play right now for DFS. So now I can turn Justin back into Will Zelatoris. That's who I was going to talk about, okay? At 45-1, to 1, we haven't seen him win on the PGA Tour. On the Corn Ferry Tour, he did win once or twice. But he's a guy that... When he's in form, Jeff, the top 10s rack up so quickly. Oh, yeah. That's kind of where I'm focused on. He had a top 10, five and a half to one last week. He's going to be down to two and a half to three to one this week. But I'm going to keep betting that because mm-hmm. I think that's where he lands. He putted good enough for me or well enough for me last week where I think he's fine with a winning score of minus 17 this week. It, he looks to be in form. And I'm going to get behind this guy even at 89 or 9,000 uh, 9, on DFS, which we'll talk about. I like betting on him first uh, because I think it's a good payout. I, I don't mind. I mean, look, I, I, I definitely think Zalator is the guy you should be considering like every week, uh, almost in the same vein as Gim, like for DFS. Um, I think, I think you're getting pretty fair price here. Like a plus 5,000. I look at that range done with Kepka. I ain't betting Ricky oh, right now. Kepka. I'll probably take a shot with Louis just cause I'm, you know, a big fanboy, and, and he actually did play pretty well last week, so I'll get sucked in. But good Sunday too. I, yeah, he did. Uh, I think the best play there, I, like if considering we got to write Wolf off for the hand injury, even though I might sprinkle a little bit on him just to see, but um, I, I can't really recommend him. To me, it probably either comes down to Bubba or Zalatoris in that range as being like the best bet, and I'm just not convinced. I mean, maybe I am convinced that Bubba has another win in him, but like the putting is just so bad with him. I, I, and these greens are, are kind of tough to get around. So 
it's kind of, maybe it's an issue with Zalatoris too, but I, we, we've seen him be pretty sharp, like you said. Like I, I think I would probably lean there right now. So um, I, I don't have an issue in that range. For me, I kind of skipped this range this morning. Like I said, I sprinkled Louis already, but that's just like an every week thing. Like you know, whatever. So don't even have to listen to that. I, I went bigger to to um, to guys like Byung-Hanan and Brandon Steele, and even Sam Burns up there. Um, and in, about that and four putt to open up. Yeah. I mean, if, if you take that away and you take his three putt out out of the way, seven putts and two holes, you give him four putts and two holes, and he's he's in second alone. Yeah. So yeah. it's clearly not his ball striking. Just no. And this isn't the first time either, Jeff, that on Sunday, it's in his first three holes that he blows up. I don't know what it is if he's just getting nervous in contention, but it's yeah. something to look at. No. If you look at his trails, the first three holes on Sunday are so bad. Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's probably a psychological block, right? Like, you just can't, you know, he gets himself in contention, builds it up too much, and then, uh, you know, he, he blows it before he even gets a chance. But it'll come eventually. He's still a young dude. Um, and Burns is, is traditionally a better Bermuda putter as well. So, uh, and then, you know, Benny Ann and, and Brandon Steele, both guys who've had, like, been in contention at this event before. And I think that's kind of key. You look back at uh, past winners here. Hideki was in contention for like three years before winning. Ricky was in contention a bunch of time. Webb lost in the playoff before winning. Uh, and even Woodland had played here a bunch of times. So I, I think experience does kind of matter on this course. Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion, you know, Young Han Ann's got two-time playoff loser. He's got a bunch of runner-ups. Steel, we just saw compete. I like I like the odds on both those guys this week. Um, I think if you're going to take big odds, those are the two guys I, I kind of snapped up uh, the, the quickest um, just uh, maybe because of the venue, a little bit of course history, I guess, playing into it. Yeah, let's talk about Matthew Wolf for a second. Because um, 50 to 1, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. Normally, I'd, it'd be an auto bet. As we've talked about before, here's a guy with a range of outcomes that easily goes to first, easily goes to a miscut. Here's the problem. He has a hand injury. Some people might have, uh, you know, it's a hand injury. Big deal is probably a blister. It solves itself. But it doesn't look like a blister. He has his pinky finger attached to his ring finger, taped Seems like a problem, and when you look at his driving over the last two weeks, you look at those shot trails, he's nowhere close to the fairway. Distance Mm -hmm. is there, but obviously when your fingers are bothering you and you're such a handsy player already, which he clearly is, he has absolutely no control over the golf ball. I just can't play him until I see more control, until I see those 340-yard drives going in the fairway rather than going 40 yards offline, oh, beyond 10 like he did last week. Just silly stuff, and for me, it's the same situation. Charlie Hoffman was a tied for 18th, right, going into the third round of the American Express. Withdraws, tries to come back and play at Farmers, and misses the cut. Why is he even playing in either of those events if he's hurt? I'm taking the same situation with Matthew Wolf here. Maybe they think they can play through the injury or whatnot, but I'm taking the same approach. And in terms of how I'm playing that, well, what I go do is I go and see who he's matched up against, and they've pulled him off the board in terms of a matchup. They're not even putting one out there yet. So that goes to show me that... They don't need the books, don't even want to get involved. I'm certainly not even going to touch it. Yeah. It again, you know, you, you, Matthew's the type of guy who, if you ever see him at these odds, you should probably just bet him. But like, the, the, there's clearly something, regardless of what the injury is, it's clearly affecting his ball flight. And, and I mean, like coming down the stretch, like hitting tee shots off like 15, 17, you really want a guy who's that you know, going to be that affected, you know, it's just, it just creates a situation where, you know, there's going to be a double in in play at some point. So I don't know. Uh, It's tempting. Like I said, I might, I might get in there if I, I'll definitely be hunting for news as the week goes on, but um, it's not, it shouldn't be at the the top of your priority list for sure. Yep. I totally agree. And like I said, if they end up do posting a first round matchup or a tournament matchup, I'll be betting against them. I'll be shorting them in in the markets that way uh, just for, for that purposes. Okay. You mentioned Byung Hanan. I, I think I love that call. I'm, I'm going to tell that as well. I think he looks like he's like maybe in the hundred to one range. Um, quickly, let's each give a bomb uh, that you found above 125 to one. First guy that I found that first start was okay. Second start got a little bit better last week. And maybe this week um, it's the, the cap off. We get inside the top 20. It's Wyndham Clark, 150 to one. 54, 32nd, I think we're trending the right direction. Also going to be his third time around this golf course. Uh, again, a guy that relies on his driver and his putter, and the irons are typically his, his uh, 
you know, his not strong suit, actually. It's his really downfall. He's, he's been pretty bad with it. Uh, but as I look up last week quickly, again, last week, as you can see, he lost 2.2 strokes in the three rounds with his approaches, but gained 2.4 with the putter and gained 3.3 with the driver. So we're just waiting for one week with the irons to click. And when it does, I think it's an easy top five, 15, top 10 for him. Fair enough, Ben. I, I'm definitely on Team Wyndham Clark. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy you can keep chasing right now. We saw really good form from him at the end of last year. And I, I think you'll probably see a couple more bigger finishes before, you know, that the, the start of the season is kind of over in, in this, like maybe in this West Coast swing. So yep. I'm, I, you know, again, you just keep getting bigger odds on them. You might as well just keep riding them because these are talented dudes. Yeah, they're a little inconsistent, but um, I don't mind it at all. And I'm taking the same approach with Doc Redman. Um, guy who really ranks out well. Like if you look at the bigger picture and step back again, uh, strokes gain approach in there. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, you've got to hit like tiers of the screen and stuff like that. He's been like, I mean, he's been objectively bad four straight starts, but again, like it, it's been, it hasn't necessarily been, he's, he's been so off. Like, I mean, I mean, he was right on the kind of cut line last week. Um, I, I, he's the type of player too, who he's done this throughout his whole career. He's he's a couple good finishes, just wally gag for like a month, and then like again, just like he pops up with like a top ten. So um, I, I could see that happening here. I think I think Phoenix is a you know slightly easier um, track than Tory. Yep, track than Tory. I think it sets up better for him. He, very similar game to like Webb Simpson. He's going to hit a ton of fairways, and his approach game is probably going to be better than most people. And we've seen that uh, that formula really work at Phoenix. So. I'll give him one week here. He's plus five fifty on DK Sportsbook. I just think that's too big for him, quite frankly. Like he, he should really, shouldn't really be that big uh, in these type of events. So we'll we'll see uh, if he puts in one more bad performance. He might uh, he might get on, on the bench for me for a bit. But um, realistically, I'll take advantage of those odds this week. One more guy that I'm shorting before we move on to our DFS preview, which uh, we had salaries pretty early, so uh, we've had a little bit of time at least to go over him. Uh, is Jason Day. And I shorted him last week. I'm going to short him again. Not only do we have him kind of figuring out what equipment he's going to use, but he switched coaches. He's gone to Chris Como. And what he's working on with Chris Como is trying to find a golf swing that he doesn't have to swing as hard to hit the ball as far because of his back. That sounds pretty terrible for results right now. Down the road, longevity of his career, probably great. It definitely is great. But right now, in this exact moment, for the next two, three, maybe four months, maybe two years, we've seen Jordan Spieth have a two-and-a-half-year drought. I think Jason Day going through these swing changes is heading towards something like that. Listen, I think he's an absolute world-class player. I really like him as a person, not that that matters here. I think he's a great individual, a good role model, hasn't gotten caught doing anything bad, but he's just not good at golf right now. And I think up against Max Homa this week, who seems to be trending in the right direction, I'll take Max Homa as a way to short Jason Day. Sure. I don't mind it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- that was one of the salaries that stuck out while we're on the, uh, obviously as a transition, but um, Jason day at, uh, at 7,800 really stuck out. I'm like, wow. I mean, uh, but yeah, Max Holmes playing really well. So I, I don't even mind that call. And uh, realistically, you know, day doesn't suck us in this week with like course history or anything like that. So thankfully, um, you know, I don't know. You could make some kind of case, I guess, like maybe it's an easier course if he's going through swing changes, but maybe the putter will get firing, but I'm not, I don't, I don't be rostering Jason Day this week either. I don't think. Yeah, it's tough. And and now granted, and it's a perfect segue into our DFS preview here this week. It's a perfect segue that the top end of this board is, is definitely stacked. We've got five of the world's top 10 here. But what DK did was they kind of priced them down a little bit, in my opinion. I had John Rahm scheduled at around 11-4, 11-5 with two other or three other guys above 11. But they went Rahm at 11-2, Shawflay at 11, then followed by Thomas and McElroy. So I think what we were going to do here this week is it seems like it's probably going to be a lot of two of these guys up here now because the salaries are lower. And if you check this 9K to 8K range, I don't know that any of them are playing good right now at all. Siwoo Kim obviously won a couple of weeks ago, but I think that the 9-8K section is really rather weak. So I think that's going to lead to a lot of double-ups up top here, which is then mm-hmm. going to push people down to that 73, 7,400 range. Uh, kind of just my general thoughts. What do you think of the pricing? Were you a little bit um, – I won't call it weak, but it does seem like they priced guys down from what I expected. 
Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna drive up the ownership on He's Thomas, not. Rory a little bit, and I think mainly Rom. Well, and Webb too, actually down there. Yeah. All of them, yeah. And you probably you can probably throw a decky in there, even though like he's coming off like not a great performance. The course history will get him. So realistically, the top six guys, I think, actually we'll throw Berger in there too. The top seven guys, I think, will. I don't think you'll you'll get much lower ownership. You know, you'll get guys like maybe we'll get Rory at a decent a number actually because he hasn't played here before. I could see that, which I'd really like. <laughs> I'll be rooting for that. Um, you know, people probably pay up for Shoffley and Thomas. Um, they're the names that always get ownership, and then you know Berger, Simpson, Matsuyama, great course history. So I, I think you'll, you'll see pretty, some, some flat ownership, you know, some, some guys stick out. I think Berger will get a lot of ownership yeah. and then you're right. Um, there's going to be some opportunity here, man. Take chances in the eight K range. I don't really want to play any of these guys either, but like exactly. Ricky <sighs> Brooks, God, God, Brooks. No. Um, Scheffler 9,100. Well, let's talk so, about him for a second. Sure. Missed on the number at the American express. Right, so not a bad miscut. All all miscuts aren't created equal. Maybe they should be, but for Scheffler, missed on the number, then goes out and shoots seven under on the North Course, and you're like, oh, yeah. good, it was just a one week blip. Then bombs on Friday, yeah. shoots seventy nine, misses the cut. Does that mean we're close, or does that mean we're far away from yeah. top game? Well, and if you look at Scheffler's career, like he doesn't he doesn't miss a lot of cuts in a row, right? Like he I am concerned yeah. back pretty quick, so. Yeah, Scheffler is, is probably the guy in this range that I'm going to be the most apt to take a shot with. Especially um, under 10% I, ownership, which I expect. Yeah, and, and I think realistically, there's longer-term problems with – obviously, Wolf is injured. There's longer-term yep. problems with Kepka and Fowler right now, in my opinion. So I don't think Scheffler has a longer-term problem. I think Scheffler is just – you know, he's a younger golfer, maybe hasn't started the season as he wanted. Uh, maybe the approaches aren't quite there, but they're obviously kind of close. I mean, it's 65 on the North course, like you said. So we're not, we're not so far off here missing cuts by like one stroke that, that you need to get worried yet. Now, maybe if he misses another one, we'll get worried. But um, I, th- I think Scheffler is, is definitely where I would go for some, hopefully some lower ownership this week. And uh, I think we might get it because Palmer's up there. Del Torres, more people will be apt to take a shot on him. Definitely. I'll, I'll, my, my Louis following will, will get a little bit of ownership. So I, I, I like that there. I, I like, uh, I like Scheffler uh, to take a shot with for GPPs. Yeah, opening thought is that people end up just clicking Thomas McElroy, Shoffley McElroy, Rom McElroy, Rom Simpson, something like that. And yeah. he just and, is and just totally yeah. forgotten. Yeah. Yep. So as we move down in this, we'll call it 8,900 because I don't want to include Zalatoris because you and I would both pick him. Actually, I'm going to go below Ustazen because I know you'll pick him. 8,800 <laughs> to 8,000. Kepka, Wolf, Fowler, Watson, Horschel, Woodland, Henley, Kim Harmon. Harmon seems overpriced, although he's played pretty well and scored pretty well recently. Kim just won, obviously, missed the cut last week, so maybe a little bit of regression. Russell Henley certainly going through it. I guess the name that I would first click based on recent history and course history would be Gary Woodland. He's looked much better. Um, how about you? Is he, is he the first name you're clicking in this range? I'm still not convinced Woodland is all the way there, but it does look like he's getting closer, so... I can't just write him off completely. Um, I think I would go Bubba, to be honest. I, I think I'd be okay with it. He, he was really good tee to green. Uh, he's he's a really good scorer. He's got the course history here that we'd like. I, I think I would give Bubba the edge there. Uh, I, I think you go back to last season, this dude was trending in like top five strokes gain tee to green every week. Tee to green, he's playing like as good as almost, almost as good as Dustin Johnson. He just, obviously the putting, no, nowhere close, but we're talking DFS. He's only 8,500. Um, I think I would lean him to be honest uh, in this range. Um, it would be like between him, Woodland, and I, I'd kind of put Henley and Siwoo just to maybe a tier below him and Woodland. But um, I think I'd lean Bubba. So Billy Horschel, I think, is an interesting case. And somebody said uh, in our chat, uh, appreciate the comment. I think he's only missed once in the last decade uh, in terms of uh, missed cuts. Uh, that was Tokyo Swan. Thank you for that. And, and it is. It's it's pretty good. Uh, the history here. I'm not going to disagree with that. Last week, although I think he took uh, Jason Day in one of those down to the wire, came in second at Torrey, for me, it doesn't seem like a good golf course for Billy Horschel. He had relied on his driver and his putter for his results over the first two weeks or first two or three starts, but he's not that consistently good off the tee. He was just going through a good period. So I figured that if we had a regression in the off the tee game, he's not very good with his irons right now. 
he'd really have to lean on the putter and you can't just lean on the putter at Torrey. Um, so it was an easy miscut. However, this week, even if we don't have the driving accuracy as good, I think it's a better spot. I don't think I'm going to get there that much at 8,400. I'd rather see him in the 7,700 range, maybe 7,500, you know, down there. I can't pay 8,400 for him, although I think it's a much better spot than last week. Yeah, pretty much in, in agreement. Uh, I'm not going to pay 8,400 for him when, you know, like I said, I, I think Siwoo and Henley are, are trending better in, in a lot of different ways right now. I think he should have made the cut, actually. I, I, I don't think I mentioned that. He definitely should have made the cut last week. I think he made double on the last hole, but got caught in that hailstorm that they blew the horn for, for like an hour. He hit the tee shot before they blew the horn, which it was 30 mile an hour and hailing. He couldn't find it. So that he should have made the cut. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I don't like, you shouldn't read too much into the Tory results for guys to miss cut. Sometimes it's beneficial for guys to miss the cut there and then come to Phoenix. Yeah. He and Matsuyama do that a million times. I, I think it's a good setup for Siwu. He can be aggressive. It's a stadium Bermuda course. We know what he did at TPC Sawgrass. I, I'm definitely into Siwu in this range the more I think about it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like him. I'd probably put him in front of Hanley, to be honest, which is... Uh, it's tough for you. Yeah, exactly. It is. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Siwu is playing really good. And it's like, you know, we've got really consistent results from him. So... Um, I, and I think he, he's still in that category of, well, he just won, so I can't play him, you know. So I think 81 is actually a really good price for Siwoo there. Yeah, especially coming off the miscut that, again, I'll use the line, all miscuts are not made equal, in my opinion. And that one from Siwoo Kim was definitely not equal to yeah, some of the no, others that we saw. Good, uh, I didn't know that, actually, about him last week. So. Yeah, it was. I remember watching the shot trail. I just had him on one, like, decent team. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get 6-6 six six here because Siwoo's at 2-under. Yeah. And then he got caught in the hailstorm, and that's not how it went. So, all right, below 8,000 as we got like uh, maybe 60 seconds or 120 seconds here left. Um, uh, another miscut that's not made all equal would be Jordan Spieth last week. He got it to four under at one point and made four bogeys in his last 13 holes to miss the cut. Brutal from him. Uh, got Cam Champ, whose miscut probably was uh, real, had one good round, one bad round again. But I'll bring up Cam Champ, 7,600. I think he's firmly in play this week. I don't think he's in as bad a form as the results are showing right now. Yeah. And champ is one of those dudes who like he'll, he'll, he's, he'll flop around for a bit, but like the driver is always there. It's not like he's not driving it bad. Right. He just, he'll do, he'll get the rest of his game figured out. And when he does, he'll go from missing cuts to top 20, making a ton of birdies. So yeah, he's absolutely in play this week. I agree. Um, He's volatile. He's, he's GPP only like, don't, don't get me wrong, but um I'll, I'll and, and realistic you you look at this range people are probably going to say oh maybe i should play norlander you know chris kirk's playing okay kuchar's there burns just played well last week we'll probably get good ownership on him jason too so yeah, i like absolutely. it i didn't I, I laid off on last week but i'll probably have some cam champ this week the price is down too so i don't disagree um lower down just quickly my god benny's there so we'll take nice. a shot with him um Aaron Wise, maybe this this might be actually a good spot for Aaron Wise. So I might even dip my toes back into the Aaron Wise pool, which is always a disaster. So just be keep that in mind. Always a fun sweat, uh, maybe another way to to put it. So all right, before we get out of here, uh below seven thousand now. I've got six guys put in a lineup here just so that um, okay. I can give you kind of a thing. All six guys I think are in play this week and uh, I think are interesting. I'll have in some of my lineups. Why don't you give me your top play and I'll tell you if it's in this lineup. And if not, I want to give you one more guess after your top play to see if you can get one of them. Okay. So keep this in mind. Cause I've only like gone through the six K range like once. once. So oh, yep. <laughs> my, uh, my, my opinion here could change throughout the week, but I kind of like, I kind of like James Hahn this week. Okay. <laughs> He was I'm not in James Hahn. I'm going to say James Hahn. I know he missed the cut last week, but he's got a pretty good record here. Um, he's playing well before that. I'm, I'm going to go with Hahn. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. I like that call. He was not in this lineup. So one more guess, and then I'll tell you the two guys that I'm a, a keen to this week down here. So one more guess of the guys that I have in the lineup below 7,000. Okay. Um, I'll give you one hint. The guy has been absolute fire with his irons lately, kind of going to something that you said at the top of the show that it's breeding a little bit more consistency, focusing on these guys that are super good with the approach. And this guy has gained Kyle Stanley. Is that what you said? Yeah. 
Yeah, it is Kyle Stanley. He's he in the lineup. Yeah. Yep. And was, uh, yeah, yeah. Jazz, as pointed out last week, he's been incredibly good. And again, a nice pop off last week, had a good finish, T18. Was that the height of it, or are you interested this week? No, I am. I actually almost said Stanley for, for my pick, um, but I went with Han. Uh, Stanley kind of burned me at the, I think it was the Sony, but, you know, again, let's not hold it against him. Obviously, uh, has won here before. No, I've, I've been tracking Stanley ever since that T6 at the, at the RSM. Um, when, when he gets his irons in play, man, he'll just, he'll just keep firing. So um, I definitely put him on the list there as well. Uh, I think he's probably a better cash game play than Han too. Han is, uh, I think, uh, Han might have better upside, but both those guys to me are in place. So yeah, I like it. No, absolutely. Who was the okay. other dude? Yeah, my last two were Tom Lewis. Uh, seemed like he oh, I like Tom Lewis. I mean, that, I'm always Tom Lewis. Yeah, 6,500. I mean, this guy can definitely score. Great, he's going to miss a lot of cuts, but I like him. Uh, and Doc Redman was the other guy, 6,600. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not playing good, but we're getting real cheap with Doc Redman, so yep. a guy to keep an eye on. So we've got a great stretch of golf. We're in a great stretch of golf. We got obviously TPC Scottsdale this week, next week. Uh, let's see, next week is Riviera, if I'm not mistaken, and then we go to Pebble after that. So just three really good tournaments. Stick with us. Of course, like and subscribe to our channel as Jeff and I are coming out with content all week. And make sure you'll get notified, of course, if you are subscribed to our channel when we come live with that. Of course, our written content on the show. And join us on the premium side. You get to uh, talk to Jeff and I whenever you want through our premium Slack channel and so much more. So good luck this week, everybody, at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Enjoy the sights and the sounds. And good luck. See you next week. Thanks, guys.